feels like the first official off-season episode of Tipping Pitches, huh? Yeah, we've like finally moved past that World Series. We yeah. don't need we don't need to rehash it anymore. I feel like we've moved extremely past that World Series. Like I don't even feel like I remember it happening. I just I mean, I just don't. I mean, I blacked out during it, so I just don't remember any of it. I'm going to go back and listen to last week's episode to refresh my memory. Yeah, I'm not. That was kind of a long one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen you much recently. Yeah, I know. I went away we, this weekend. Yeah, you were out of town. Yeah. Yeah. Spent my weekend at Penn State. Oof. Saw them beat Rutgers, froze my toes off, almost lost my hands to see them only wake up in the second half. So That's good. You know, it is what it is. Penn State is a place that I've been multiple times, and I can't really say much more about it other than that. It, it exists. It, like, on the plane of things that exists, I it's really, right there as a data point. I actually will argue back against that. It sort of feels like it exists on an alternate <laughs> plane. <laughs> anyway, what'd you do this weekend? Um, I uh, I pretty much stayed indoors. Smart move. Yep. I uh, I watched the Great British uh, Baking Show, actually. Started I watching saw that, that on Twitter. How Re- is it? It's, re- it's really good. Why did you watch it? I mean, why not? It's it's beautiful. I recommend you watch it. I love cooking shows. I do too. Uh, and this one is like beautiful. It's not like cutthroat or like contrived drama or anything. I no, watch I like it. the cutthroat. Ah, uh, but I watched this and I was like, this feels like such a pleasant like reprieve from the shit show of a world around us. Everyone's like really nice to each other, complimenting their food. I feel bad when everyone gets out. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll get to it then. Yeah, do it. With all my free time. Uh-huh. I'm going to have a lot of free time in like six weeks. True. <laughs> yeah. For like the next six months. <laughs> Hopefully less than that. Anyway, well. That means uh, we're going to bump this up. Two episodes a week. You down? Three? Uh... Seven? Daily? <laughs> Twice Once daily? in the morning and once in the evening? <laughs> um, No. Tipping Pitches is a weekly podcast hosted by your faves. Um. <laughs> Anyway, enough um, non-baseball talk. We have a very sad story to talk about this week. Uh, unfortunately, we have to kick the podcast off in a sad manner. Uh, Roy Halladay passed away tragically a, a, like a week back now, um, a little bit more than a week back now, uh, in a plane crash. Uh, it was really sad. He was only forty, and um, you know he had he was it was like very well known around the league that he had like a a family and he was a family man. So. Uh, it's unfortunate that we have to start with this. I think I, I hate this as much as you do. But just in 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 light of this news, we should talk about him as like we should talk about the lasting memories that we have of him and uh, like the um, impact that he left on our like young baseball viewership because we were really young uh, when he was coming up, and he was sort of like a mythological figure because he played in Toronto. At least for me, because he played in Toronto, and like I never really had to watch him. I just would see highlights of him throwing complete games all the time. Yeah, um, with that bizarre windup. So, like, what are your lasting memories of Roy Halladay, and and how are you internalizing this news? Yeah, I mean, like I was gonna say the same thing. He was kind of just this um, very ethereal like figure that was just kind of there. He existed, and he. Uh, I mean, he didn't 
really he was in the same league but different division so it's not like the A's faced him very much and so I didn't really um get a, a bunch of opportunities to necessarily watch him or sit down and and take the time to really take it all in while I was kind of growing up but he really just kind of cemented himself as in my mind as like the pitcher of the 2000s uh kind of in the way that like Verlander was that guy kind of as the as the decade started to turn right Ver, uh Halliday was like the number one guy in all of baseball like when you when I think back to that era we had kind of come out of the uh he kind of essentially uh, hit the the very first team that he played on in 1998 he was 21 years old with the with the Toronto Blue Jays um he played alongside Roger Clemens and it kind of feels like he almost took that torch from him um, when Clemens retired in the, I don't know, what was it, mid-2000s? At least on the field. He's sort of like the anti-Clemens yes, in another way. exactly. But in terms of, like, you know, the guy that you think about as leading the league, um, and it's really kind of ironic because they were two wildly different pitchers, right? Um, Halliday d- did not uh, try to overpower hitters or anything like that. He was more of a crafty pitcher, and it's really kind of cool that he was the guy to to lead it um, as a coming out of this age of Clemens and and Martinez and and he really just had an awesome run there in the uh, in like the like 2007 to 2010 yeah I mean era. he's the he's far and away the best pitcher of his generation but I think beyond that like his ability to just to win over fan bases that weren't even of his own team nothing in baseball is easier for me than hating people on the Phillies. <laughs> And it was impossible for me to hate him when he was a member of the Phillies. Right after the news of his passing, there were a ton of, obviously, messages from players out on Twitter and everything. But I remember hearing, I forget where I was reading or listening, but there were just a bunch of stories about people would show up thinking that they were getting to the facility early to get like some work in. And Halliday would be there already like drenched in sweat. And like would have completed an entire workout before anyone was even getting there to get there early. And... I think that was really evidenced in the way he played and the way he pitched. Just his ability to go late into games and and uh, to say, this is my day, no one else worry about anything else. I feel like as a teammate, that would be a very reassuring quality to have in your ace. Just knowing that, like, this is Roy's day, like, we're good. All we have to do is put up a couple runs and everyone in the bullpen gets the day off. And I remember when I was a kid, there was, there was a stretch... This is probably going to make our older listeners feel relatively old, but when when we were kids, there was that show, uh, Jim Rome is Burning, and I remember like coming home from like middle school and watching it, or like elementary school and watching it, and uh, he was like, it was essentially the show was just him hot taking about a bunch of stuff, and he had this hot take that Roy Halladay should come out of games more and and stop throwing complete games so that he can let the bullpen get work in every five days, and I'm, <laughs> it's so funny to look back on that now knowing how great of a career he ended up having, and this was back when he was on the Blue Jays, but knowing how great of a career he ended up having and how dominant he was and how all this, all the adages that we know now about like third time through the order, the more times you face batters, the worse you are, he just sort of defied all that. And yeah, I mean, that'll be, those will be my lasting images of him um, and just how, how beloved he was by the the Philadelphia Phillies fan base when I was growing up. Yeah, it you know, with all the talk about like bullpenning these days and and kind of what we saw unfold through these playoffs, I have a feeling that if he was pitching in 2017 still, 
uh, he would be the one guy where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to touch that. I'm just going to I'm just going to let him go until he runs out of steam. <laughs> I am not going to try anything fancy about bringing my re- my relievers in starting in the fifth inning. I am just going to let him run. I mean, yeah. I think it, that the to your point about like how maybe how Verlander is to us now, he was that way then. Yeah. And I think he would continue to be that way. It's like some people just the rules don't apply to some people. Some people are so good and so incredible that rules don't apply. And he was one of those people. His nickname was Doc, which I don't know, just feels so fitting to me too. It was such like a baseball thing. It is such a baseball thing. Doc Halliday. It's like Field of Dreams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it was I don't know, it felt very perfect. He was kind of this um carried himself very professionally, felt like this older figure on the team. Even when he was like 24, 25, he still felt like this kind of old, wise figure that you could look up to and and maybe ask for advice or, or whatever, you know, I don't know what was going on in the in the clubhouse at that time, obviously. Um, but can I just say, his career high for innings in a season? Are you prepared for this? Are you sitting down? Are you? Is everyone listening to this sitting down? Two hundred and sixty-six innings. Yeah. There were like five pitchers this year who crossed two hundred. Yeah. To pitch two hundred sixty-six innings in a in a season, and then come back the next year. He only pitched 133 the next year. But for the rest but of your career. But he did have a 420 ERA the next year. So. <laughs> but for the rest of your career to go over 200 a bunch more times after pitching 266 innings in one year is insane. Yeah, they let him go all the way up to 233 as a 34-year-old. They were like, we know you're getting up there, but fuck it. I remember the end of his career was sort of just like he hit the wall and just he didn't have it anymore. Probably because of all of that usage over those years, but he still had like a really long, extremely successful career. And um, I mean, that just kind of happens when you put in that much work, when you work as hard as he did for as long as he did. So hopefully he continues to be remembered in the in the proper light that he has earned. Yeah. And there are a lot of I mean, we can all, we can obviously speak to it as a as fans who watched him growing up. Um, but you should def- definitely go search out the stories that have been com- kind of streaming out just about his personal life and and players talking about him and remembering him who, you know, got this very up close and personal perspective of this guy who to us was this just kind of, f- you know, very far away figure. Yeah. Like a, like the doc. Yeah. Yeah, but specifically to that point, you should check out all the things that like Carlos Ruiz has had to say and like their friendship over the years. He was that he was um, Roy Halladay's catcher in Philadelphia, and like the friendship that they built. And um, yeah, if you can find anything written about that, then definitely do it because that is the light that he sh- deserves to be remembered in. Yeah, so sad. Yeah. Anyway, on to some lighter news. But but still kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, we're not going full on happy, but we're it's like um, but, you know, we're trending up, wistful and nostalgia. Yeah, we're like halfway in between on this scale. So Carlos Beltran's retiring. Yeah, man, he was he was one of my favorite players growing up. Yeah, just because like when I became old enough to really root for the Mets on a day to day basis and like actually know what I was talking about, he was like one of their best players, and uh, he was like an integral part of that playoff run before the Mets had all of their epic collapses. But anyway, how you feel? How you feel that Carlos Beltran's going out on top? Yeah, I'm glad he got that ring because he needed it. I would have been really sad if uh, if he did not get that. And I don't know. I, I wonder if, if he hadn't gotten it, if he would have stuck around. Probably not. I feel like he has kind of a reached his eclipse. Yeah. Um, the, the game is kind of passing him by at this point. But man, what a career. 
I mean, ha- not many switch hitters have had the career that he had in it. Uh, I think we've talked about him um, on past episodes, but like he used to be fast too. Yeah, we talked about well, we talked about how he was like OG five tool player, but we also talked about uh, how he transitioned into this older period of his career so well and with such humility and just like how willing he was to take a lesser role on the Astros on a championship team and mentor younger players and not have an ego about it like younger players on the Astros 23 year old people 23 year old kids who we have talked about ad nauseum on this show felt comfortable enough that they could make fun of Carlos Beltran with the whole uh glove retirement ceremony that they did halfway through this year which I can't believe that was this year that feels like years ago just the fact that younger players feel that they can make fun of the elder statesman of the team just shows you how willing he was to accept that and be part of that and and be part of that dynamic with the team so I'm really happy that he went out on such a positive note and even that like our final lasting memory of him is going to be him being interviewed by that Fox Sports One group and like <laughs> talking with those guys. I just want to say one thing about how good his career was. It was so good that he retires with a, from baseball reference, 69.8 war, which ranks, get this, 69th all time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nice career, if you ask me. Yeah. I can't. He's now the token player of the podcast. Sorry, Robinson Cano. He's <laughs> Carlos Beltran. And to do it, he had to have a negative 0.6 war this year. He went backwards so that he could get to 69. I respect that so much. <laughs> I, I'm just going to pretend that he knew what he was doing. He was like, I got to do this. I got to do this for the people. Yeah. I'm, I'm the player of the people. He definitely did it Yeah, for the people. Can we also, in the links in this episode, can we put... There was a tweet from, I think probably Darren Woman, yeah. of his spray chart. Oh my god! Over his career. Oh my oh god! My god. Literal just, art. Yeah, it's it's put that shit in the MoMA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It it really is beautiful. It's like a fucking Jackson Pollock painting. It's just splattered <laughs> everywhere to all fields, which is really part of what made him so great. All right. Well, we went from very sad to wistful and bittersweet. And when we come back, we're going to get into our bread and butter. So, Alex, one of my favorite things about professional athletes is when they're just really good at other things and it makes you feel really terrible about yourself you know like for example damian lillard really good rapper how is that fair like legitimately good rapper like not like he was like i have money i'm gonna rent out a studio he was like no like you don't get it i have bars yeah (laughs) and like there was a a mon shumpert freestyle on breakfast club i think it was and it was kind of fire I don't know if he has like the Dane Lillard ability to put out a, a full album, but we'll see because apparently he's releasing an album soon. Like, that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to be that talented that you're like in the one percent of like multiple professions. It's yeah, not fair. <laughs> do you think we're ever going to make it to the one percent of podcasters? I think we could do it. Does that mean we have to get good at something else, or do we have to just be the like the best podcast? No, can we even get it into like yeah? Do we have to be the best podcast? Can we even get? Can we check one box, let alone like the two that these guys are doing? Yeah. 
We could do it. We can we can do it. We I I think we got we won rookie of the year for podcasters, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that yeah, was the so, not so sh- announced one. You have to Google that. Yeah, but shout out to everyone who uh who voted for us and who yeah. supported us this whole way. Thank you so much. We're the darlings of the BBWAA. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is a roundabout way of saying that what the hell, Mookie Bad spoiled a three hundred. Yeah. And he's like trying to qualify. Yeah, for he's the like, PBA tournament. He's like among the 150 top bowlers in the world. Like not baseball bowlers. He's like he, not not other sports bowlers. Like just general professional bowlers. He's among the best in the world. Yeah. So there's the PBA qualifying is going on right now, and there's like 183 people who are trying to qualify right now. And Moogie is like 156 out of 183, which is like he's not going to make the cut. But also, he's one of the best young yeah, professional also, baseball players. what the players. hell? <laughs> he does he's this, not worse this is, out of the best. This is a hobby. Yeah. He, like, grew up playing both. And I don't know. Do you think this makes him a better baseball player? His his ability to <laughs> uh, to bowl? <laughs> um, sure. You know what? Why not? I'll bite. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I think you need that hand-eye coordination and some real precision, and if he's able to put some spin on the ball with the flick of his wrist, then maybe he'll be flicking the ball to all fields. That's one way of looking at it. I feel like the the bowling spinning motion is sort of similar to the so like when you batting roll, roll, roll your, your hands yeah. over. Yeah, it's not it's totally not, unrelated. It's not dissimilar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think? What's your career high in bowling? Oh God, I don't know. Maybe like a. 180 or something. Woo, look at you, hot shot. Yeah. That's nice. Never, Let's go bowling for the podcast. Yeah, I'm done. All right. Has nothing to do with baseball. We just go, we record ourselves. Except we invite Mookie Betts. Yeah. Well, let's see if he comes. Yeah. All I right, mean, cool. I feel like, why not? Yeah. We just won Rookie of the Year. He'd be on that up and He'll up. He'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this is just absolutely insane. He, and I'm impressed uh, they were talking on Effectively Wild about how they were like, eh, kind of impressed, but also this is obviously more common than, say, like a perfect game, right? Still, I want to reiterate that this is a hobby. Like, he is a professional baseball player, spends seven months out of the year doing this other thing, <laughs> not really focusing on his bowling, and then November rolls around and he's like, all right, time to uh, get out the old ball, dust it off, cracks his wrist and... Just bowls a 300. Have you ever actually watched a video of him bowling or seen a picture of him bowling? Yes. He fits right in. Yep. Yeah, he looks like he's just a normal... Uh, it doesn't look like he's some hulking professional baseball player who just stepped into the bowling alley. I almost said bowling ring. <laughs> <laughs> no, bowling alley and is like way out of place. I feel like if people didn't know and it wasn't being covered that Mookie Betts was doing this, he would just be like a normal ass dude. If he was using like a false name... <laughs> I feel like it would just no one would raise any alarms. Yeah. I, All right. I have a question. Yes. If you had to draft one other MLB player to win you a bowling tournament to, against all the other MLB players, who are you taking? Who's the other best bowler not named Mookie Betts in MLB? Huh. Really deliberating over there. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna take Cindergard. Not because I think he's a good bowler, but because if he can bowl it fast, I think that's really all you need. <laughs> as long as he can go fast and straight. I don't straight. need precision. I just need you to hit them all. <laughs> Even if it like bounces off the back and, and comes, comes all back. the way back up yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Pat Neshek. He right. got the submarine motion. He's kind of a weirdo. He definitely dabbled in bowling for a little bit in his life. Yeah. 
if he didn't dabble in bowling, he probably dabbled in some other weird sport. Mm-hmm. I think he's got it, man. I think you give him like two weeks, he practices it as he cares about it like ten percent of how much he cares about collecting signatures. Yeah. I think he could do it. Yeah, I was just gonna say, but he gets pissed at all the other bowlers for not signing his ball. Yeah, he'd be like he would be the guy that pulls the famous who do you think you are, I am. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to link to that too. All right. So we, we gotta talk about Elsewhere our, in Strange Baseball. <laughs> we gotta talk about our boy Josh Beckett. Josh. Josh, Josh, Josh. He This is the Sports Illustrated headline. Report. Two-time World Series champion Josh Beckett arrested for tackling singer at open mic night. Party foul. Yeah. Yo, (laughs) check out this. Check out this just image of him diving (laughs) forward. Like he's like parallel to the ground. Yeah, this was not he ran up and like gave the guy a shove or whatever. He like was airborne. Uh, yeah, he, like Ray Lewis running down the middle, like, <laughs> laid this dude out. <laughs> so he was tackling a country singer. So I kind of get it. Um, I'm with him spiritually. Yeah, he was at a Texas country club and was intoxicated, as one does when you're at a Texas country club. And I, there are really no details as to why he did this. Um, he it says he admitted to stage diving, but that's not what stage diving is, bro. You don't dive onto the stage. <laughs> he got it mixed up, right? <laughs> he was so drunk that he was like, stage diving? This is it. And he just dove at the stage. Beckett's lawyer told TMZ that he was engaging in horseplay. First of all, bad Texas pun. Second of, <laughs> second of all, horseplay? He tore the dude's rotator cuff. Yeah, no, I was just about to say that. Here's what it says. TMZ said police were called and that the singer suffered serious injuries including a torn rotator cuff. What? What the hell? How do you even lay someone out so hard that they tear their <laughs> rotator cuff? What happened? Yeah. I need video of this. Damn, Is there a video of it? No, it's just it. pictures. <laughs> like mid-flight. <laughs> well, it's definitely a still... Okay, the photo at the top of this picture definitely is still from a video. Why would someone be standing there waiting to take a picture of this happening? Unless they knew unless Josh Beckett... <laughs> so they're like, check this out. <laughs> Yo, dude, get your camera ready. <laughs> Start taking that live photo. <laughs> But yeah, we, we'll link to this as we do to everything that we talk about because all this podcast is just a collection of shit that we saw throughout the week. Uh, you want to take a bet on what he was eating while at the country club? Because I'm going to guess it was fried chicken and beers. And beers? Yep. <laughs> yep. Come on. Come on. My boy Bobby Valentine was there. Yep. <laughs> He's trying to get involved. Where was Papelbon? John Lackey. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who took the photo. <laughs> Papelbon took the photo. Yeah. Anyway. Josh Beckett, come on. What are you doing, man? But also, depends on what the country singer was saying slash doing slash who the country singer was. Yeah, this is a, this is a bold move, but I, I don't even disagree with it. Yeah. Although, tearing someone else's rotator cuff is rough. Yeah. Especially as a pitcher. Like, that's messed you, up. You know what that is. Yeah. You know, how to, <laughs> yeah. you know what it's like to go through that. Probably equally as weird yeah. is this next story that we're going to talk about. Aubrey Huff. Aubrey Huff. What are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> this one, I just, I just can't really get over. Um, so Aubrey Huff tweeted uh, a few days ago. It's a series of tweets. So the first one reads, read an article in AOL News this morning where scientists have concluded we were evolved from rats? Exclamation mark, question mark. It's amazing how stupid really smart people can be. Don't be deceived. The truth is wait, in the wait, Bible. Can I ask the question? Yeah. Is there a space between the last word and the exclamation mark and question mark? Because it's a very old, angry white person thing to do. What? To, to finish the sentence and then to put a bunch of spaces and then the punctuation. Oh. Did he do that? <laughs> no, he didn't, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just truly perplexed at the rats. 
I'm surprised there's no like ellipsis in this tweet somewhere. It's also an angry old white person thing to do. Yeah. So I'm reading from a Deadspin article, and the article points out that it's very clear he only read the headline because it doesn't talk about rats. It's a rat-like creature, but it's a mammal that's not a rat. And uh, and it just kind of talks about that they are the earliest known ancestors of most modern mammals. So... Just a rat-like creature? Yes. We all came from rats. A rat-like creature related to us long time ago. Again, not like our uncle or something. <laughs> not like was around 60 years ago, and in that span, here we are. <laughs> but no, Aubrey Huff, he's not done, man. If the evidence is there for evolution, <laughs> where are the fossils of all the creatures that were supposedly slowly over millions of years evolving into us? They're there isn't any. And why do we still have monkeys? I like how you laughed because he messed up the grammar. You're not <laughs> laughing at what he's making the point. <laughs> you paused the grammar part. <laughs> You're so annoying. <laughs> and why do we still have monkeys if we evolved from them? This is so true. No one's talking about this. No, actually, this is like when you've never been to a museum. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Can I just ask, where is Abirhaf from? Is it Texas? I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to say North Carolina. It's Ohio. Ah, yeah. I want to be South. <laughs> so there's there's a lot more. He talks about saying there are a lot of people who strongly agree with, with, the, John with the evolution, <laughs> quote out. unquote, theory, but, look in, but then really looked into real evidence that the mainstream scientists and world dare not mean, touch. I think you mean lamestream scientists. Yeah, that's honestly so true. So basically, I don't know if you know this, but Aubrey Huff, he's read the Bible. He has read the Bible, and the truth is there. And really, we're all just sheeple. We need to open our eyes. <laughs> I like how um, I like this is like the weird like alt-right left turn that the Kyrie Irving flat earth theory took. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Aubrey Huff being like, evolution's not real. It's just God. Yeah. No such thing. And um, meanwhile, Kyrie Irving was just like, yeah, I've never seen a picture of the real, the real round earth. Yeah. yeah Aubrey so- Huff was like, I'm going to take... A very, 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 very strict religious view of this. Um, Keith Law, the ESPN reporter, uh, tweeted him a couple studies about, hey, <laughs> I saw this. evolution is real. Aubrey Huff, no, he's got that one in lockdown, too. Guess what his defense is? You lost me when you tweeted a study from Berkeley. <laughs> Unless, of course, <laughs> we're talking about protesting, which they know a lot about. True. I'll take God's word over an overpriced university any day of the week. Ugh. Ugh. Where's it's the like lie? cream of the crop. <laughs> I'm using that line from now on. I'll take God's word over and over. <laughs> yeah, like you fail your final. Yeah. And you're just like, listen, professor, God told me that this was the right answer. So I'll take God's word over your stupid ass F grade any day of the week. Yeah. Oh, you say I have, quote, student loans. Uh, God says I'm debt free. So. <laughs> yeah. New York University is waiting for those checks. And we're just like, um, listen, God told me that I could come here. And so, therefore, I'm just entitled to that. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a useful argument. I don't know why. Why don't we make this argument more often? Um, this is the last one. I know we're dragging this out, but one user tweeted jokingly, um, Aubrey, do you believe in Imagine Dragons? Referring to, of course, the popular musical act. What a weird, <laughs> what a very strange thing to ask him. I know. I think, they, I think he was trying to pull his leg or just get something out of him. And guess what? It worked. He replies, I'm shocked that it worked. Actually, dragons aren't imagined. They are nothing but dinosaurs that the ancient civilizations seen, ancient civilizations seen all over the planet. The term dinosaur was coined in 1841. So, yes, I do believe in dragons and dinosaurs. Wait, what? 
He believes in dragons and dinosaurs, but he doesn't believe in old rats. Yo, Mike Drop. <laughs> Aubrey is out. This is like when you watch Game of Thrones and read the Bible. Yeah. Those are the only two things you do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Audrey's dropping some science on us. Yeah. What the? Listen, I'm not gonna argue with it. I there was really nothing in there that I could disagree with. If I'm being completely honest. Climate change isn't even real anymore, so. Yeah. Show me the, it's warm in places of the world. It is warm in places of the world. But it's cold here, so uh, global, quote, warming. How about global colding? <laughs> can you uh, can you show me a, a news segment that talks about the temperature from 1830? Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, enough of this. We might be a political podcast now. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out when we come back. Hey, all of this is hustle. Y'all about to make it way. I gotta show my muscle. When I'm getting to it, girl, it's easier to love you. Try to give me scraps, I made them pieces to the puzzle. I grind. Ain't no secret money on my mind. Sit at my table, then you want my time. And I don't play that. I'm stunting for the payback. I'm from a golden state at, but Portland where I lay at. I'm the daddy, Mac Mac daddy with Hoover rapping. Y'all be on your crisscross, uh, hustling backwards. All this game I'm giving is probably going to be a caption. When the lights and camera off, I'm going to still be by that action. All right, Alex. So in the interest of convincing people that we're not actually a political podcast anymore. Do we have to talk about baseball? Yeah. Uh. There were these things called awards that were given out. Um, I know we already talked about how the lamestream media didn't cover the fact that we won Rookie of the Year podcast, but uh, yeah, it feels like maybe we should at least do some gut reactions to the the slew of pretty useless and pretty meaningless awards that were given out in the last week. Yeah, so far we've got Gold Glove, uh, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. Really, like, it's all just pretty meaningless. Yeah. Like, like whether or not you got this award has nothing to do with how your team performed (laughs) like you getting this award after the season's over is more just kind of a trophy that you can put on yourself but i guess that's literally what it is so i think it's cool whatever i mean i'd be hype if i won gold glove yeah i know you have sort of a a little bit of a gripe with the gold glove system as it works or as it is currently constructed so here you go 30 seconds on the clock all right all right real quick so matt chapman A's rookie third baseman did not win the gold glove at third base. And uh, Evan Longoria won it instead. I didn't even know he played this year. Uh, yeah, I feel like... Uh, they, were talking effectively wild. they were talking on Effectively Wild last week about how he was part of a, a draft class that was really weak and he was the top of it. And I forget what player they were making this point for. But I was like, is Evan Longoria still in the league? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, his contract is like a bajillion years long and they still have like a bajillion dollars to pay him. So Evan Longoria is like bizarro world David Wright that doesn't get hurt. Yeah. But okay, so... Chapman did not win AL Gold Glove at third base. You know why? Because he's from Berkeley. Because he lives in Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> he plays for a team that's from Berkeley. Well, fuck you. It's Oakland, bro. <laughs> yeah, but they're too close. They're I mean, too close to that liberal epicenter. You can't believe anything comes out of there. Um. Okay. But anyway, defensive metrics. I'm not going to say that they are perfect. I'm not going to say that they are the necessarily best and only way of evaluating a player. But according to fan graphs... He was the second best third baseman in baseball this year, uh, just behind Nolan Arenado, who you may know is in the National League. That Nolan would indicate Arenado, very good at defense. That would indicate that Chapman is, in fact, the best third baseman, perhaps, in the American League. You would think. One would think, but there's this weird quirk in the rule that, like, you have to have logged your innings. Basically, before September, it's like you have to have logged, I don't know, 670-something innings by your 138th game. 
which is very bizarre to me because it just ex- it's trying to like exclude players who like come up in the second half or whatever but like you know what they say so why those last 24 games are way less important than those first 24 uh, like i i don't even understand the rationale behind this like i get they're trying to like make sure it's like whatever part-time players don't get it or guys who are called up in, in september but like if they're good why do you want to exclude them like, you can have an inning limit. That's fine. Also, but like, why about, does it matter where they play it? The thing about Matt Chapman is that the defensive statistic that you were talking about is, like, an aggregate statistic. It's not, like, a per-game statistic. He led the aggregate statistic in less time than the rest of these players. Yes. So that means he was not only better, he was considerably better. Yeah. we don't. I'm not even going to list off the statistics, but, like, he was one of the best defensive players in baseball this year, and he only played half the year. So... I just have a bone to pick with uh, with whoever made these rules. Uh, just, Rob Manfred, I want to bring him on and grill him about this because yeah. this, is, get him in the this, studio. this is pretty much the biggest problem in baseball. Where does right Rob now. Manfred live? Let's find him. He probably lives somewhere near New York. It yeah. feels like where baseball is centered out of. Yeah, probably. Here's my here's my hot take. You're just mad that Matt Chapman didn't win because you're part of this coddled millennial culture where you just want to reward people for nothing everyone gets a trophy what he played on a terrible team why should he win terrible team what do you do to help his team win huh That's so true what God, you just want everyone were, what everyone so gets a gold this year everyone gets a gold glove now <laughs> what now the person who's the best needs to get a what uh platinum glove yeah. <laughs> everyone gets a gold glove and the winner gets a platinum glove now that's that's so true that's but what th- i want that's not even fair to everyone else just give everyone a platinum glove uh yeah then the the actual winner gets a diamond glove but then that wouldn't be fair so Everyone know, something, something that everyone gets a trophy. Or they something. all get gloves. Yeah, we all get gloves and trophies. And yeah, all right. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on from that. Actually, I want to bring up something that Joey Votto said about the uh, voters, the writers who make the cast the votes for, you know, the various awards. And it was actually really not what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> he says, "I'm going to sound an awful lot like I'm stroking people right now." Interesting phrasing. <laughs> what? He goes, but I've always felt like the voters are the savviest and most objective people in baseball. This is definitely fake. He's, I mean, it's not fake in that he didn't say it. It's facetious. But like, he's not. This is a long ass quote. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he goes, a lot of other awards are voted amongst people in their own little echo chamber. I feel like the writers, because there's so much distance and so many different opinions and schools of thought and so many voters. I I'm feel afraid. Like- I'm afraid of where this is going because he said echo chamber and he's talking about schools of thought. Yeah. Does Joey Votto think all lives matter? (laughs) (laughs) He just talks about how he thinks that this is like the most researched and the point system helps. I don't know. Also, he's won gold gloves before, right? Has he? I think so. I don't know. Who cares? Just I'm like Joey, take Joey Votto. Joey Votto, you're like so good. You're one of the only good things. He's a, he's an icon. He's yeah. a pillar of the podcast. He's he feels like one of those people. I feel like he would come out and be like, yeah, those voters suck. Yeah, those voters are mostly wrong. And he wouldn't hold anything back either. Yeah, All I right. wonder. I wonder what they've got on him. What what do you yeah. think they're blackmailing him with? Probably gonna take away his platinum glove. Yeah, or like his donkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, other awards. Uh, rookie of the year, we don't need to talk about this. Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger, literally nothing to say. They both won unanimous. Yep. It was very obvious. Yeah. They both hit many, many home runs. Nah, dude, I was kind of thinking Matt Olson was going to win over Judge, if I'm being honest. Yeah. What about Matt Chapman? Yeah, true. Look at you. Look at this. Everyone gets a freaking award. Yeah. There's rookies of the year next year. Yeah, actually. Every single player who debuted wins rookie of the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they hit many home runs tends to be a good thing. Yep. Uh, and then manager of the year, who won it? Um, that would be Paul Molitor of the Twins and Tori Lovulo, the Diamondbacks manager. Lovulo? Lavulo? Lavulo. Lovulo? 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 Anyway, manager of the year is probably the one I really care least about. Because Here. neither neither of these teams won the World Series, so oh. can I do a thirty second gripe like you did with? Y- yes, with, go for it. Um, All you with Chapman. All you, you grab the mic. You know what I don't like is that. What? Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what grinds s- your gears, Bobby. In every single sport, it's always the team that overperforms by what the people before the season decided the team was supposed to do. Whatever manager is the leader of a team that overperforms their win expectancy, but like who is deciding that the expectations going into the year? were correct to begin with. Like, we're operating under the assumption that those were good expectations for teams and that managers overperforming those expectations automatically means that they did well, as opposed to, like, where I think that Dave Roberts should have won NL Manager of the Year because I think it's hard to have a team that has a lot of talent. I mean, this is a <laughs> that sounds weird, but I think it's hard to have a team that has a lot of talent, a lot of egos, plays in a big market, and then actually meet and exceed those high expectations that you already had. Like, they were expected to be the best team in the league, and then they were the best team in the league. I think that's almost harder. I think if you went back in history, this is just the way I feel about this. I haven't done any research into this at all. But I think if you went back in history, you'd find that it was more difficult to meet and exceed expectations when they were high than just exceed expectations when they were low. To me personally, I don't think you should just automatically get the award because you were on a team that was bad last year and like was slightly better than average this year like for the twins and the diamondbacks were bad last year but they weren't supposed to be bad last year they were just what they should be this year <laughs> like it's not like they suddenly made a run to the world series when they shouldn't have i i i don't know i'm of the mind that managers should be rewarded for being the best and i think dave roberts was the best on the best team I'm- like that's why i also feel like Greg Popovich should win it in the NBA every year because his team is expected to be good and they are always good and he is the reason. Why not Kerr? <laughs> because that team is on autopilot. <laughs> you don't even need Steve Kerr on the sideline. <laughs> literally, the, it's literally just the Death Star. They press a button and then they evaporate every other team. Yeah, I mean, when he was out, they won. <laughs> I am of the opinion that Manager of the Year, especially in baseball, is probably the least meaningful award because it's so hard to like actually know i don't know uh, to be able to tell a good manager from a bad manager you can obviously be like this person makes poor decisions they're not a very good manager you can tell they usually don't stick around very long or this person makes savvy decisions this person's good with their bullpen or whatever but like quantifying that and like ranking well i think that so and so is four ticks above this person it's like i don't know it's like i think dave roberts and lovulo or however you say his name are probably Maybe on similar planes. I don't really know. I have no idea. There are no stats for this aside from the team's record. And so, like, uh, sure, yes, I think Roberts probably should have won too. Um, But I think the argument for Roberts is probably similar to the one for most other managers of teams who did well. I just think, like, we just get the same trite overused argument every year when a manager wins it from a team that, like, quote, oh, quote-unquote overperforms right it's like he got his guys to try hard you know they really loved it they went so hard they uh they're low on talent but they're high on heart and i'm just like i'm so sick of hearing that like guess what 
every MLB player should try hard. Yeah. Getting your guys to try hard is literally the bare minimum. Like, you don't think the Dodgers were trying hard? They tried really hard. We gave manager of the year to a guy who bat Paul Goldschmidt cleanup. That should be enough to just disqualify him. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they don't even look. They don't even look at these things. Yeah. They're just like, well, what were they expected to win? And what did they win? This is basic subtraction. I don't. I don't feel very strongly about it either way. I'm. You Dave Roberts should have gotten it, but also good for this guy. You good know what? I'm Tori. putting an abrupt ending to this. Goodbye. We're done. We're done talking about this. Don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> don't bring it up. We're over. <laughs> done. Let's move on. Wait, real quick. All right, before we get to our last segment, gut reacts. Who wins MVP? Judge or Altuve? Altuve. Yeah. I also want Altuve to win, Same. so that might be coloring my decision. But yeah. I also just think Judge had that like huge slump for a while there. And Altuve was the picture of consistency and also played uh, really good defense at a premium middle infield position. And also Judge played incredible defense. And they're very similar in war. And I know all the statistics put them very neck and neck. Uh, I just think the BBWAA will reward a guy for consistency because they have that made up as some ideal to reach. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on all that. I, I wouldn't be that upset if Judge got it, honestly, because like he had his huge slump late in the season but also i think that tends to make us forget about just how goddamn good he was at the beginning he was on a tear um and the so, end. yeah yes he, the most home runs that he hit in a month was september yeah so but i'm i'm biased towards guys who can like can hit for average hit for power and also steal bases like if you have that that usually puts you i don't know above guys who are more of a one trick pony like a guy like judge who's got power but i agree with you on the consistency thing i i would rather take that for my team because i feel like judge is really good but at a certain point there's like diminishing returns like okay you can only hit so many home runs and yeah. like like help your team when you're like creating this massive crater in june and or july and august or whatever yeah Let's move on. So, keeping with the theme of baseball, which from time to time is the theme of this podcast, I feel like. Occasionally. So, there's a lot of free agents this year. There are many. Many important ones will go places and affect teams. Yeah. In this, theory. Like, honestly, this offseason really has the potential to determine how next season goes. <laughs> <laughs> As most offseasons do. <laughs> uh, we don't care about any of that at all. Nope. We're not going to predict where we think people are going to end up. We're not going to predict how we think it'll affect 2018 season. Yes. We don't care about that. You're not going to hear Shohei Otani's name on this podcast. You just said it. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, you got me there. It's literally useless to try to predict what's going to happen in 2018 this early on. So instead, we decided that we were just going to pick the spiritual landing point of which free agents we thought should land where. Yeah, where do we want to see these players end up? Where do we think they should end up based yeah. off their mythology? Yes, exactly. What is What will drive them towards a city? What forces beyond our control will, will make them end up somewhere? If this were a movie, where would they end up? <laughs> <laughs> Any other stupid reasons that we chose these? Nope. 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 Let's go. Else to Let's say? go. <laughs> All right. You go first. <laughs> um, my first one is uh, Mike Moustakis. So we each pick three. For uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, we each pick three, and my first is uh, is Mike Moustakis. He is going to the Cardinals because that just feels like a very Mike Moustakis place to end up. I think they are set at third base. That said, I don't know. It feels like the personality just probably fits with the uh, the culture there. He feels like a feels like he'd fit in in St. Louis. I don't, I'm not going to slander Mike Moustakis. Um, Why wow, we haven't slandered anyone in this podcast? <laughs> um, but we you have to gotta, keep up with the tradition. You got a like a top five in baseball punchable face going to like the top one punchable, punchable team. organization. <laughs> so uh, you just punch the logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like he and Mike Matheny would probably get along. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I chose for my first person. Yes. I chose Jake Arrieta. Yes. And for the destination, I chose the Texas Rangers. Ooh. I don't really know why. It's sort of just. I, <laughs> I kind of I feel it, man. He's from Texas. He has that beard that's sort of like, I'm Southern, but I'm also a hipster. I'm like a trendy Southerner, you know? I am from Texas, but I also like emo rock. <laughs> and I like barbecue, but I like to eat it in hip places where I can people watch. That feels like Jake Arrieta to me. And for whatever reason, that feels like the Texas Rangers. And I just can't see him being on the Astros. Yeah. So I chose the Rangers. I would really like to see that because that's like a really fun team, like full of really fun players. And Arietta would just come into the clubhouse and be like, "Turn that music off. It's game day. What the what the heck are we doing, guys? <laughs> what we gotta, the heck? <laughs> we gotta we gotta really chill out here, man, and put on our game faces, bros." Yeah, we uh, we know nothing about Jake Arietta. We're totally Not at just making all. this up. He's probably really fun. He's probably a nice guy. Yeah, he's definitely uh, towards no. that aging curve. Uh, he's like. If we're putting him on a political spectrum, he's like center right. <laughs> like he's he's had some questionable tweets in the past. Yeah. Just just saying. He definitely has a lot of guns. Yep. I wonder if he wants to build that wall. Ooh. Wonder how the entire Latin infield of the Rangers feels about that. You think Jake Arrieta can speak Spanish to to talk with the uh, Spanish speaking infield there? Uh, my guess is he probably doesn't really feel inclined to do that. Hola, <laughs> May Lamo, <laughs> Jake Arrieta. El Pelota. <laughs> he doesn't have an accent. We're just giving him like, <laughs> like he's wearing a t- like, ten gallon like a, hat. It's like we're giving him like a Minnesota or like Canadian <laughs> accent or something. Yeah, man, build that wall north and south. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Next. <laughs> um, next on my list, CC Sabathia. Love him. I'm gonna bring him to the A's. Yeah. Bay Area. Nice. A's could use. He shouldn't be part of the Evil Empire anymore. Nah, it's time. I think there's a. It sounds like. The Yankees have a leg up on re-signing him, but and by leg up you mean he's just going back there for sure. Yeah, probably. But I would like to see him come to the A's. Bay Area native, grew up in El Cerrito. The A's could use a veteran on the pitching staff if we're being real. They have a lot of young guys, and pretty much none of them are proven. So yeah, they could use that. Just put him at put him in the five spot. He just comes out every fifth day, tosses a few innings, and acts as a mentor. Let's be real. He's going to end up in the third spot by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. It <laughs> would not surprise me if he was uh, throwing some like number one games in there. <laughs> Let's be very real about yeah, this. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, I, I would love that. That'd be, a, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Because he could be, I mean, he does like a lot of like community work too. Yeah. And I feel like Oakland, Bay Area is a great place for him to bring that back to. Yeah, totally. I'm down. All right. Number two on your list. Number two on my list is uh, Michael Pineda. Okay. I chose Michael Pineda to come to – I like how you chose number two, come back to your team. I chose number two, come back to the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> come to the Mets. I am bringing Michael Pineda to the Mets because, spiritually speaking, 
he's a hard-throwing right-hander who is coming off of injury, and they're hoping that by the end of the year he can contribute. So he is a Mets pitcher. Yep, sounds like a, sounds like a Met. That's literally the only reason I chose him. Also, he's cheap. On the uh, MLB trade rumors list that I brought up to look at who were the free agents were like two minutes before we did this segment, it said that he was going to get like two years, six million. That was the prediction. That sounds like a very Metsian contract. Even less, like two years, five point eight million, just because they don't want to give that extra two hundred k. Yeah, and and maybe he wants because Bernie s- Madoff is still making it somehow <laughs> in jail. Yeah, too, and they're still paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> <laughs> they need to save that million <laughs> off Michael Pineda's two year deal. Uh, and you know what? Maybe he really likes New York. He wants to stay in the Big Apple, but uh, the Yankees are like, we don't need you anymore. All right, Alex. Third and final. Who is your last spiritually landing destination player? We really didn't name this very effectively, but... (laughs) You could say it was effectively wild. (laughs) (laughs) He's here all off-season, ladies and We keep referencing this, like, effectively wild. No one who listens to our podcast also listens to effectively wild. It's another baseball podcast, though, uh, hosted over at Fangraphs. It's better than ours. It is better than ours. But But they're not rookies. They're not rookies, so they didn't win an award. And also, I feel like we are starting out better than they probably started out. Probably not. All right. Anyway, third free agent. <laughs> I've never listened to Effectively Wild episode one. <laughs> Me neither. I have no inclination to either. <laughs> They're talking about like stuff from 2012 or something. <laughs> like, who are the top free agents? I yeah, don't nope. care. All right. Last Finish. one. You ready? Finish strong. Ichiro back to the Mariners. Yes. That doesn't even need explanation. That's perfect. Yeah. Ichiro, I, go back. Love it. He's he's done, man. He's, he's on his last legs. Although, he could also play for five more years, so who knows? He... And, should they? The Mariners should give him a contract. They really should. That would. But be, I don't trust Jerry Depoto. If he gets signed by the Mariners, they're gonna flip him. Yeah, which would be way too sad. Yeah, they're gonna like flip him for like a single A reliever and a new bucket of balls <laughs> and a jumbo size bag of double bubble. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like that. I'm I sort of like the like f- actually finish your career with a team as opposed to like the one day contract yeah. thing i ain't with that yeah i mean it's like you do what you have to do if you don't end up finishing your career with that team but if you can you should finish it with that team yeah that uh, that just feels more right yeah writer yeah so i would uh i would like to see, i almost went cc to the indians but i was like i was like nah, nah, nah I, to the A's. I, I got i gotta save that one for each year <laughs> so uh yeah each year to the mariners i could actually see that happening potentially yeah, that might actually this is, might be the only one that actually do, happens do the mariners have an outfield ah, let me know <laughs> actually the last one that i have might actually happen so i mean i, I haven't actually looked into any of this but it sort of <laughs> feels like it might happen so you started with a royals player i'm gonna finish with a royals player yeah you know I gotta go with my boy, my mortal enemy, one and only that man, yes, Derek Hosmer. <laughs> <laughs> so he's definitely my most hated player in MLB. I don't really have any, you know, real life reason to hate Eric Hosmer other than the fact that he was really annoying in the 2015 World Series when his team beat my team. Yeah. Again, disclaimer: probably a perfectly fine person. Yeah, definitely saved someone's life off the subway tracks one time. I think I remember reading that, and I'm pretty sure I brought that up on this podcast yep. before. <laughs> and we just didn't know. We didn't come to a conclusion. <laughs> definitely maybe save someone's life on the subway. <laughs> Look it up for yourself if yeah. you're really that interested. If you care that much, this right. late into the podcast. Okay, but where's he ending up? Obviously the Red Sox. Yeah. Of course he's ending up on the Red Sox. Obviously. Okay, number one, it's the Red Sox. It is the Red you wanna Sox. You want to talk about Evil Empire. Yeah. There are several Evil Empires in baseball, and... By several, I mean two. And by two, I mean the Yankees and Red Sox. Yep. The Red Sox would definitely give him way more money than he needs to, and they'd bring Scott Boris into a press conference in Boston so that he could talk about how great 
Eric Hosmer is, even though he was a replacement level player for the last two years other than this past year. Okay? And also, the Red Sox needed first baseman. And third, is that three? I don't even know how many points I'm going to. Sure. I'm so angry. Yeah. I'm so fired up. <laughs> the last point is that there's the stupid green monster in left field in Boston, and Eric Hosmer is an opposite field hitter, and I just feel like he could poke a lot of oppo poppo homers in Boston, and it would just infuriate me. There's no reason that Eric Hosmer can't hit to the pull side, and there's no reason that that field or that the monster in left field should only be like 130 feet away. So he's definitely going to hit a bunch of just fly balls that go out. And it's going to make me furious when yeah. the Red Sox win the 2018 World Series. Yeah, but they actually are. They're really good. <laughs> I know. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be so many people that I dislike, and then like three people that I really like, like Mookie, Mookie Betts and Rafael Devers and all the young players that aren't tainted by that stupid Red Sox bar. Yep, basically. I'm similar to the Thriller in Manila. Honey's call me bigger, the condom filler. Whether it's stiff tongue or stiff dick, Biggie squeeze it to make shit fit. Now check this shit, I got the pack of Rough Riders in the back of the Pathfinder. You know the epilogue by James Todd Smith. I get swift with the lyrical gift. Well, I'm off my soapbox about Eric Hosmer and about the Red Sox, and they are, you know, perfect match for each other. I like that you and I independently picked the two most easily hateable royals and sent them to the most easily hateable teams <laughs> <laughs> why not yeah we don't think about this positively i mean we kind of did but the, the first person that popped into my mind was eric Hosmer. yeah when we sort of made up this segment out of thin air yep anything else to say alex not really we got the rest of the awards coming out next week so i'm sure we will have answers to our questions soon yeah. enough and the season is now going to be well in the rear view for the remainder of the podcast that we do for this off season. So we're really going to try to get into some weird stuff. Uh, hopefully y'all enjoy it. Uh, yeah. We're going to have some guests on. We're setting up a special guest. It's going to be a surprise, but it'll be coming up soon. <laughs> yeah. And you know, baseball may be winding down, but we're just winding up. We're just getting ready. Facts. Yeah. Like we end every podcast like this. Oh, uh, we do, but it's mid November. We're, uh, we're shaking off the cold. We're getting in here, getting hot in the studio. It is warm in the studio. It is very warm in the studio. Folks, we are burning up. <laughs> and starving. So if we don't get off this podcast now, it's going to get very, very, very weird. No, it's just going to get silent. We're just going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Tipping Pitches. And if you didn't, write us a vague and cryptic review and send it to our email. <laughs> yeah, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. See you next week. I think David Roberts and David Roberts. <laughs> I think that <laughs> What are you his mother? <laughs>